Welcome to Funds in Focus by the senior members of the investment strategy team at FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Join our experts as they explore how current market trends are shaping the investment landscape. In each episode, you'll learn how a specific FlexShares ETF operates and how the market has impacted the fund along with the potential long-term implications of your client portfolio. Now, on to the show. Happy 2021, everyone, and welcome back to Funds in Focus. I'm your host, Jahan Mady, and I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our listeners as we kick off the new year with season two. We're excited to be here and thank you for your continued support. Today, we welcome back to the show, Chris Humer, Senior Investment Strategist. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks for having me, Jan. Chris, I wanted to cover a topic today that we heard a lot from investors about last year and through the first couple of weeks of 2021, and that is low volatility. Before we delve into some of the nuances we experienced with low volatility last year, can you explain to our listeners what the low vol factor is and why some investors find it as an attractive way to invest? Sure, happy to. The low vol factor looks to capitalize on the difference in performance between low volatility stocks and high volatility stocks. Historically, we've seen that low volatility stocks tend to outperform over time and that low volatility is a compensated factor in the same way that momentum, size, value, or quality are are all considered. What makes low volatility different than those other factors is that you often see those other factors described as compensated risk factors in academic literature, meaning that theoretically investors are believed to be taking on more risk by investing in higher momentum or cheaper valued or smaller stocks and are thus rewarded by incrementally greater returns for taking that risk. Low volatility is different from those other compensated risk factors because generally speaking, less volatility stocks should be considered lower risk than more volatility stocks. And so Chris, why does low volatility exist? And is this a short-term phenomenon we see going away? Yeah, Jihan, that, that's a, a great question. Typically, academics and practitioners in the market have gravitated to two different reasons why the low vol factor exists. First, that one of the key assumptions in most investment models might not be correct or might be flawed. And that's namely that investors are, are risk adverse. You know, if you think back to the capital asset pricing model, to the academic Fama French models from, from the 90s uh, through today, all of these generally come with the assumption that investors are risk adverse. And what we mean by that is that for us to take more risk, we have to be compensated for that. So we're fine moving from a risk-free asset like cash to a riskier asset like stocks because we're compensated generally over the long term with greater So that is what we mean when we say risk adverse. However, if you think about it, you know, from a behavioral economic standpoint, the thought is potentially that that not all is always the case. And a good example of that is if you know anybody who's played the lottery, you know, if you think about it, anything where there is a negative probability of success, but because they're attracted to that outsized gain, that generally speaking, people are willing to take that negative probability outcome of, of, of a lotto ticket or a great example of that would the casino industry. You know, uh, casinos exist, generally speaking, or, you know, that the odds are stacked against you in most casino games and people still go. Uh, and if they were generally risk adverse, 
they know they would understand that they're not being compensated for that risk. So uh, generally speaking, when it comes to low volatility, one of the things, one of the ways we look at it is there's a flaw in that methodology. Uh, and that's what low vol is, is uh, capturing. The second theory, and, and I'll, I'll go into this briefly, it's, it's much more detailed, uh, but generally speaking is that the, the rational thought behind low volatility would be not from a behavioral aspect that it exists, but it exists because of the proliferation of active managers and stock selectors. The, the theory behind this here is that if you're looking to beat the market using stock selection, you get more bang for your buck on your correct calls with higher volatile names than with lower volatile names. So if I can make the correct calls by focusing on a high beta name versus a low beta name, I should be rewarded greater when those calls are correct. And I know that might seem like a stretch, but there's actually studies that have been done that look at active mutual funds and that show that in aggregate that those active mutual funds tend to have a beta higher than the market, when if you just thought in general, if you looked at that aggregate, you would have a beta similar to the market, it actually does not, it's not. So low volatility in that standpoint is capturing that. So from a long-term perspective, those are the reasons why low vol uh, exists from a theoretical standpoint. To me, the the bigger question or or the more important question is the second one you asked. And that's related to the trend that we're seeing in volatility today. Everyone listening to this podcast is aware of the volatility markets experienced in 2020. But what most investors or many investors may not realize is that the trend volatility we experienced over the last decade has been significant as well. You know, if we go back and we look pre-global financial crisis, we see volatility spikes, and I'll define volatility spikes in this in, in this way of looking at the VIX index is uh, in a market es- a estimate of the expected volatility of the S&P 500 index. So looking at volatility spikes of greater than, than 5%, when we look at that pre-global financial crisis, what we found was that we generally experienced less than one spike per year going into the global uh, global financial crisis. Since the global financial crisis, we've seen a six-fold increase in those volatility spikes. So even though we've seen markets trend up, we've experienced much greater volatility. And why that matters is because downside and upside volatility are, are not equal. You know, if I tell you that you're going to be down 20% in one month, and then up 20% the next month, you're like, okay, that sounds fine because I break even. You actually don't. You know, Because of compounding, you're still down 4%. And by the way, it doesn't matter which one's first or second. If you're up 20% and then down 20%, you still end up being down an incremental 4% over that two-month period. So that's why one of the things that we look at and why we see investors look at low volatility is to protect against the downside. So when it comes to low vol investing, what do investors need to be aware of? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think in general, so if, if, if you, you like the idea of low volatility investing and you go out there and, and look at the various strategies, you'll find, generally speaking, they fall into two camps where they look at volatility on the security level or they look at volatility on the portfolio level. Now, 
volatility on the security level is is really easy to understand, but it comes with some some caveats that uh, investors need to be aware of. So low vol on the security level is just simply saying, okay, give me the hundred low lowest volatility stocks, or give me the lowest volatility stocks in specific sectors, and and, and go about it that way. That's fine to go about that approach. What we feel is a better approach is to look at volatility on the portfolio level. And the reason is, is not only are you looking at portfolio, the, the volatility of those underlying stocks, but you're looking at the relationships of those stocks with one another by using uh, a covariance matrix, basically looking at the, the correlations or covariances of those underlying securities to, with one another. And and so let me give you an example of, of what I mean by that and why that matters. So if you had two highly volatile stocks that were perfectly negatively correlated, what you would find is that you would have a lower volatility than two lower volatility stocks that are perfectly 100% move in the same direction, where generally you're not diversifying by owning those two names if they move exactly in lockstep with one another. Now, this is a complete cartoon example. But you do, in our opinion, get a better low vol experience when you look at it on the portfolio level than just looking at it at the individual security level. The other thing that we like to look at when we look at it on a portfolio level is you could be cognizant of large sector bets that sometimes creep into the portfolio when you look at it at the security level. And what I mean by that is that you tend to see that there's certain segments of the market, I think of utilities as a great example, that tend to be lower volatile. And so if you're looking at the security level and not in the relationship of those securities together, you might end up with a portfolio that's overly weighted to specific uh, segments of the market. I see. So is this why we see some confusion about how low vol strategies did last year? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions uh, that we heard last year was that some investors did not believe that low volatility protected in the market downturns in 2020, particularly in the, the large downturn that we experienced in February and March. The reason for that is if you look back and look at where uh, the securities that were the most impacted, they tended to be concentrated in several sectors. And we did see a lot of great disparity, literally historical levels of disparity between sectors last uh, last year. But in particular, on the downturn, if you were overly focused in sectors like utilities or financials or consumer staples, you were adversely hurt. And those tend to be some of the segments of the market that low volatility strategies tended to cluster in if you took it from a security level approach. From a portfolio level approach, we're able to control sector exposures on a, on an on a greater basis, we'll have that as part of uh, strategy design. And as such, you were not as negatively impacted and you actually, you tend in generally speaking, you tended to see those that looked at low volatility on the portfolio level approach that had proper, proper sector controls in place, those generally did well in the downturn. Now we are talking about a year that at the end of the day, particularly when we talk about US markets, uh, we ended up for the year. So low volatility as a whole tended to underperform, but in those downturns, you had a better experience if you looked at it 
and looked at low volatility from a portfolio level with sector constraints than if you were looking at it from an unconstrained security level approach. So Chris, another interesting idea that I've heard you speak about um, is using quality in addition to a low volatility investment approach. Can you share what you meant by that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we've explored and, and, and that we feel very strongly about is the addition of quality to uh, a low volatility approach. And, you know, when we talk about quality, typically what we're talking about is the financial health or the financial strength of the company. And we do that by looking at it over several different metrics. So we'll look at things like the profitability of the company. What you find, generally speaking, is companies with high profit margins tend to do better than companies with low profit margins. You know, in downturns, you are better protected. That's that concept of wide moat that um, think of a castle and the moat around it, the wider the moat, the better protected you are. That's that concept that uh, Warren Buffett coined and Morningstar's main, uh, made famous. I, I agree that higher profitable companies, profit margin companies do better than low profit margin companies in, in those type of environments. The other thing is to look at all this stuff on a sector by sector basis. And when we talk about that, obviously we're comparing technology companies to other technology companies, utility companies to other utility companies, which is really how you get the best apples to apples comparison. But in addition to profitability, looking at things like capital financing decisions, how aggressive are they with capital expenditures? How aggressive are they in their external financing decisions? All of that comes into play. Those are all things we look at when we look, when we talk about the financial health of a company or quality. And then finally, looking at cash flow. In a year like 2020, cash flow was king. It's something that we've been talking about and pounding the table on, going back to the financial crisis about how cash flow is a key component of judging the quality of a company. And really, that's something that played out truly last year, where uh, companies that had extra cash flow available, not only is it uh, the cheapest source of financing is self-financing, but um, in a period like 2020, where we had global economic shutdowns across the globe, that having that extra cash on hand really uh, protected uh, companies across the board. So I think that is all very important. How that plays with low volatility is also key. Generally, what we find from our research is that historically, companies that are the poorest quality companies tend to also be the most volatile. So by eliminating the poorest quality companies from your universe, you have the potential to eliminate companies that historically have been uh, some of the most volatile in, in, in the starting universe. So that just gives you uh, at the end of the day, hopefully a better low volatility experience. And that's what we're, we're targeting when we combine quality and low volatility together. And what are some of the common ways that you see investors using low volatility approach in today's environment? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think it's particularly through 20, uh, 2020 and, and now that we're sitting in 2021, the conversations I'm having with uh, investors today, uh, some, some are concerned about valuations, some are concerned about uh, increased volatility on the horizons or liquidity in markets. And so uh, they're looking to adjust the overall asset allocation to lower their risk exposure. Now, typically the way that you've done that in the past, you think about it from a traditional asset allocation standpoint, equity, fixed income, you're moving from your equity exposure to fixed income. However, in this low rate environment, 
moving to fixed income, you still get great diversification, uh, including fixed income for in your portfolio. But generally speaking, at this low rate environment, uh, it's going to be hard to generate total return, particularly uh, in this low rate environment where you're not getting paid as much uh, from a yield standpoint on fixed income. Uh, as such, one way that investors have looked at adjusting their risk in their portfolio is by swapping out some of their equity exposure or all of their equity exposure from traditionally market wave strategies to low volatility strategies as a way to offer some level of downside protection, but while still delivering upside participation in still staying exposed to the equity markets. So still when markets go up, you're still part of that process, but offering some level of downside protection through that low volatility exposure. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Chris, as always, thank you for your insight, and we look forward to having you back on the show. Jihan, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Funds in Focus. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, go.flexshares.com slash fundsinfocus. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There is no guarantee that a specific strategy will be successful. ETFs are subject to specific risks, depending on the nature of the underlying strategy of the fund. These risks could include liquidity risk, sector risk, as well as risks associated with fixed income securities, real estate investments, and commodities, to name a few. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. FlexShares U.S. Quality Low Volatility Index Fund, QLV, is a passively managed, non-diversified fund that invests in U.S. large and mid-capitalization equities. Although the fund seeks lower volatility than the broader U.S. equity market, there is no guarantee it will be successful as securities or other assets in the fund's portfolio may be subject to greater price volatility than the market as a whole. The fund may also invest in derivative instruments. The fund may be subject to concentration risk of securities, a particular industry, or group of industries. Please read the fund's prospectus for specific details regarding the fund's risk profile. Carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses before investing. A prospectus is available at www.flexshares.com. Read it carefully before investing. Flexshares funds are distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.